Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 48. Today, I'll be talking about the case of Lisa Pattinson. Was it an accident or murder? My sources for this episode are Dateline, Season 19, Episode 36, titled Beauty and the Beast Mystery, LegalNews.com, CaseLaw.FineLaw.com, WHAS11.com, HappyScribe.com, WTHR.com, and the OgdeninPolitics.com. As usual, all my sources will be linked in the show notes. They danced on their wedding day as Beauty and the Beast. To stay beautiful, she worked out a healthy habit that one day turned deadly. He found her at home. The barbell was across her throat. A simple, tragic accident. This will fall in like a guillotine. Getting that information at that moment. The case changed for you. Absolutely. This episode is hosted by Dennis Murphy, and as he said, Lisa and Scott were married as Beauty and the Beast. It was a strange beginning, but as we will hear, many people believe that Scott was a strange dude. Lisa was a single mom of a young boy named Dylan when she met Scott at a dance club. Lisa's megawatt smile drew Scott in. He handed her his business card, which said Claude Van Damme lookalike. Lisa showed her sister Christine, who she had gone to the club with that night, the business card. In the car going home, Lisa pulled out the business card and showed it to her sister Christine. It said uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme lookalike. And you're kidding. No. And I said, you're not going to call that guy, are you? But she'd remembered him, hadn't she? Yes. Not only remembered him, but was soon dating and being pursued by the guy from the club. The man with the business card's real name was Scott Pattison, a former bodybuilder turned roofing contractor. Within a year, they were married. They lived in a nice home in central Indiana. They often went on family vacations. Lisa worked as a marketing manager at the local mall, while Scott was self-employed in his roofing business. Lisa's son Dylan took a liking to Scott and called him dad. Her son Dylan, from a previous relationship, grew to call Scott dad. Growing up, I didn't really have uh, a following figure. I mean, I slowly and surely called him dad. And 13 years on, all were living a comfortable life together in a nice big house with acreage out in the country. Scott and Lisa were both very into working out. Lisa was conscious about what she ate and about her workout habits. Scott put in a home gym in their basement with a tanning bed, treadmill, and a weight machine. On July 2nd, 2009, Scott called 911, claiming that Lisa had had an accident in the home gym. 911, As Scott sped through summer cornfields, his wife Lisa was in the back of the cab in very bad shape, as he told the dispatcher. I need an escort or something to get to the hospital quicker. Okay, what kind of accident has she had? Scott would say later he'd gone downstairs just before noon and found his wife straddled face up on the exercise bench with the barbell weight crushing her throat. She's blue, but she's not breathing, nothing. Lisa died not too long after arriving at the hospital. She was only 36 years old. Dylan had seen Lisa that morning before he left to go to the job site with Scott. 
Dylan worked at Scott's roofing company, and before Lisa was found, that's where Scott had been with Dylan and another employee. Dylan said the last thing he had said to Lisa was, I love you. Lisa's death was categorized as unattended, meaning that the police had to look into her death before they could rule it an accident or homicide. At the hospital, Scott was acting strangely. A police officer took him aside in the ambulance and recorded the conversation. Scott explained what had happened, how he'd come home from work to shower and eat lunch before an afternoon doctor's appointment for his bad back. Lisa had taken the day off. I went downstairs, but that's when I saw her on the bench with the weight bar thing across her neck. He said he lifted the weights off and started CPR. As an ex-first responder, he'd been trained in that, but said he couldn't revive her. So I acted out of impulse and just simply picked her up, carried her upstairs, I apologize for the audio quality, but that is how it was in the episode. Anyways, a crime scene investigator named Jason Page was tasked with photographing and casing Scott's truck and examining Lisa's body. He found a bruise on Lisa's neck and left shoulder. The injuries seemed consistent with Scott's story. The case really did seem like an accident, but Scott was brought down to the station for a formal interview. Scott said he woke up around 5 a.m., kissed Lisa goodbye, and went to the landfill. He said he came back home around 6.30 a.m. and then went to the job site with Dylan and another employee. He returned home around 11.30 a.m. and heard music coming from downstairs in the home gym. That's when he found Lisa. He said he lifted the bar off of her and attempted CPR. I was there, did a couple errands. I came home both for 11.30, probably. He said he called out for Lisa, but she didn't answer. Music from downstairs told him she was working out. 10 to 15 minutes went by, he said, before he actually headed downstairs to discover her. She was on the flat pitch and she had a bar across her back. Okay, what kind of bar was it? The bench press, quick lifting bar. So the bench press bar? Okay. She was purple. Totally purple. The conversation then turned to their marriage. How was your relationship? Is there ever a perfect marriage? Well, I don't know. They'd been married for 13 years, Scott said. Just a few months ago, they'd filed for divorce. When you say we, you or her? I filed for divorce. Why were you going to divorce her? I had an affair. They had been married 13 years, but recently he wanted a divorce because he had an affair. He said that when his affair ended, he and Lisa were working on things at the that the divorce was called off. At the police station, Scott agreed to be photographed. He had no injuries on his arms, face, or chest. At the Pattison home, things were in pristine condition. There were no signs of forced entry, but the police did discover surveillance cameras. The police found the surveillance equipment in the garage, but the DVD tray was empty. They were bummed. Downstairs in the home gym, the police found the weight bench that Scott claimed he had found Lisa on. The bar weighed about 105 pounds, and the safety stoppers were found unused near the bottom of the bench. CSI Page discovered that the bar lined up with his neck, not his chest. He also found a circular smudge on the bar like body sweat or oil. Everything seemed to be matching Scott's story, but the police still had a weird feeling about it. Lisa was very healthy. The medical examiner didn't find any signs of a heart attack or stroke. 
However, her cause of death was eventually ruled as asphyxia due to neck compression, as if the bar had cut off her air supply. The police were stunned and weren't sure if the case was an accident anymore. Lisa's family and friends were stunned. Her sister Christine said Lisa was a treadmill person and didn't lift weights. Lisa's co-worker said that Lisa had a neck injury from a car accident a few years earlier and could barely lift boxes at work. During the investigation, the police learned that Lisa's family weren't too fond of Scott. Lisa's husband, but the rest of the family didn't get it. He'd long been an awkward fit to them. But I have no tin for <laughs> At holiday gatherings, they couldn't help but notice how tough he was on Lisa's son, Dylan. His stepdad bossed him around like a raw recruit and meted out harsh punishments for the slightest misstep. Dylan recalled what Scott ordered him to do one winter when the boy neglected to take out the morning mail. It was 6 a.m. in the morning, and he actually said... Uh, take your clothes off, leave your underwear on, and uh, you're going to go walk out to the mailbox. I had a great mom, but I always wanted like a, a better fatherly figure. Lisa's family wanted her to be with someone that respected her and respected Dylan. A month before Lisa's death, she had visited her sister in Virginia and hinted that her marriage was over. Lisa visited her sister at her home in Virginia about a month before she died, Without saying as much, she telegraphed that the marriage was over. Sister Christine acted as Lisa's financial advisor. She said, well, I need to make some changes on my life insurance policy. Lisa was going to change her $450,000 life insurance policy. Scott and Dylan were currently both the beneficiaries of the policy, but Lisa wanted to change it to where Dylan would be the sole beneficiary. Christine never received the forms back from Lisa. Scott later asked Christine if Lisa had signed the paperwork. The police were still confused about what had happened to Lisa. The medical examiner found what they claimed was petechiae, which are bruises that can't be seen with the naked eye. The petechiae was found from her neck to her waistline, and the ME suggested that someone had straddled Lisa, causing her death. It still wasn't enough to rule her death a homicide. That was until a few weeks later, Detective Mike Davis received a call from the manager of Scott's Alarm Company. The manager said Scott had called him and asked how his surveillance cameras worked. The police told the manager that they had looked at their surveillance equipment, but that they didn't find a DVD in the tray. The manager said a DVD wasn't needed and that everything was back to a hard drive. The police obtained a warrant for the surveillance and immediately it was apparent that Scott was a liar. On July 2nd, Scott was seen on the surveillance leaving his home at 5 a.m. to go to the landfill like he said. He then returned home at 6.30 a.m. and left for the job site. Scott then returned home at 8.32 a.m., not 11.30, like he said. At 10 a.m., Scott can be seen walking outside and talking on the phone. At 11.42, he's seen outside again, this time wearing different clothes. At 12.10 p.m., Scott leaves for the hospital with Lisa in the back seat. In September 2009, a grand jury convened. A week later, Scott Pattison was indicted for murder. He was arrested at his mother's home. When asked by reporters if he had anything to say, he said he was innocent. At trial, the prosecution said the surveillance footage was the star witness against Scott. Hartley had brought the weight bench into the courtroom and planted it right before the jury. Crime scene investigator Jason Page demonstrated for the panel how Lisa should have been able to wriggle out from under the barbell.
As you heard Dennis say, CSI Page demonstrated with the weight bench at trial how Lisa could have gotten out unless someone was holding the bar against her. The prosecution also said that the life insurance policy and his affair were also factors. Scott maintained that his affair was over, but Stacey Henderson didn't. And the real headline grabber was that the other woman was a prominent person in the community, the former chief of staff to the mayor of Marion, Indiana, a woman named Stacy Henderson, the wife of a local police officer. In exchange for immunity, prosecutor Hartley put Henderson on the stand. And she testified that she was still involved with Scott on the day Lisa died. During 2009, um, were you in love with Scott? Yes. Did you tell him that? Yes. Did he tell you that he was in love with you? Yes. Stacy maintained that they were still together at the time of Lisa's death. Scott's text messages and calls seemed to back this up. They had exchanged 130 texts on the day Lisa died. Scott's 10 a.m. phone call was to Stacy. He also exchanged messages with her while he was taking Lisa to the hospital. It was now the defense's turn. They claimed there was no physical evidence against Scott. They said Scott's affair was a fling, not a romance. No evidence that Mr. Pattison was thinking about killing his wife or that he was going to kill his wife for this other woman. So what about that flurry of text messages? Just routine chit-chat, Henderson told the prosecutor. When the life insurance policy was brought up, the defense claimed that Scott knew nothing about being taken off the insurance policy until Dylan told him. The defense said that the asphyxiation was common with the type of weight machines Lisa had been using. They brought up another case in Iowa where a boy had died using one of the machines. The defense's expert witness, Dr. Greg Davis, said he believed there would have been more damage to Lisa's neck had Scott been straddling her and holding down the bar. He also said that the petechiae could have occurred from blood pooling, not someone straddling her. Dr. Davis said the defense said Lisa's death was an accident. She had been taking a dietary medication and that it was dangerous concoction that have, could have caused a dizzy spell. They said Scott was a liar but not a murderer. After a three-week trial, the case went to the jury. They were split seven to five until they did their own experiment with the weight bar. A woman had played Lisa's part. She was able to slip out on her own but not when a woman straddled her. The jury deliberated for eight hours. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty of the crime of murder of felony. Guilty as charged. Lisa's family couldn't hold back the tears. We just couldn't stop. We were just weeping of relief. Scott hung his head when the verdict was read. Scott Pattison was found guilty and sentenced to 60 years in prison. Dylan believes Scott killed his mom, as did the rest of her family and friends. You believe Scott Pattison murdered your mother? I do. Press that bar into her throat? Sir. Why? Greed. Money. Stuff that really means nothing in the end. Stuff that means nothing. Stacy Henderson later pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of false informing. She received a jail sentence of 180 days, a year of probation, and 60 days of home detention. Scott's appeal was denied in 2011, and he will not be eligible for parole until 2039. This case is kind of hard to determine or even have an opinion on. I do believe he killed Lisa. The surveillance footage is kind of hard to ignore. Plus, Lisa did have bruising that could be consistent with Scott straddling and holding her down. Scott seems like he doesn't give a shit about anyone. He was greedy and selfish and killed Lisa because... She wanted to end their marriage and give her life insurance money to her son. He deserves to rot. 
I'd love to know what you guys think on this case. Do you think it was an accident or a murder? My book recommendation for this week is Blood Sugar by Sasha Rothschild. Summary, I could just kill you right now. It's something we've all thought at one time or another, but Ruby actually acted on it, three times to be exact. Though she may be a murderer, Ruby is not a sociopath. She is an animal-loving therapist with a thriving practice. She's felt empty in sympathy. She's had long-lasting friendships and relationships and has a husband, Jason, whom she adores. But the homicide detectives at Miami Beach PD are not convinced of her happy marriage. When we meet Ruby, she is in a police interrogation room being accused of Jason's murder, which ironically is one murder that she did not commit, though a scandal-obsessed public believes differently. As she undergoes the questioning, Ruby's mind races back to all the details of her life that led her to the exact moment and to the three dead bodies in her wake. Because though she may not have killed her husband, Ruby certainly isn't innocent. Alternating between Ruby's memories of her past crimes and her present-day fight to clear her name, Blood Sugar is a twisty, clever debut with an under- unforgettable protagonist who you can't help but root for and adding an addicting mixture of sour and sweet. Ruby isn't as sweet as she appears. She claims she isn't a murderer or a sociopath. She said the man that the police are claiming she killed died of diabetes. The police don't seem to believe her. The the book goes back and forth from Ruby's life to the crime she claims she hasn't committed. It's a twisty thriller that you won't be able to put down. I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram, join my Patreon, buy me a coffee, rate and review. I would so appreciate it. I'll be back next week with an all new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.